0: Well, welcome once again to Milton Bible Church Online. It's great to be together, and it's great to uh, worship God and to enjoy His Word. Just want you to know before we actually begin our study of God's Word today that uh, it's been about 10 weeks since we stopped meeting corporately as a church in person. And we want you to know that right now the elders are looking uh, at putting together a plan for our return to church uh, as we know it and as, we, as it ought to be. Uh, so um, I just want you to, to know that, that we really miss you. We miss each other. We miss being together. And that's such a vital part about being the family of God. You know, getting together and breaking bread and celebrating communion, but also just laughing together, um, having sharing hugs and... and uh, you know, what's happening in each other's lives. So we look forward to that, and we're planning on that. And that is a part of what is to come. Well, today we are going to continue our series in uh, the book of Judges. And we want to continue with the theme, uh, leadership in a time of challenge. And we've been looking at the life of Gideon and the book of Judges. In Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah speaks of the coming king of Jesus and his rule. And he talks about Jesus as the prince of peace um, in, in such ways that uh, it talks about his kingdom rule in our lives. But then in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4 in this passage, it says, The rod of his oppressor he will break as on the day of Midian. And the day of Midian refers to the battle of Midian. It is the battle in which Gideon led the nation of Israel, the army of Israel, against their oppressors. And from that, peace ensued for God's people. And so here's the idea the idea is that before there's breakthrough, there is battle, before there is God's peace. Um, and blessing outpouring, there is a spiritual battle to be fought, and there is a spiritual battle to be won. And uh, the scripture talks about the people sitting in darkness will see a great light, there will be a time of darkness, and there will be a time of breakthrough, just as in the day of Midian. But my fear is that during this time of COVID-19, instead of the church going to battle and bringing light and love into people's lives, into the life of our community, into uh, the, the, the life of our, our neighborhood and our nation, um, that we will instead cower in fear, and we will not be the people of God that God has called us to. We will not enter the battle because of fear. So let me ask you a question. Are you afraid? Or are you afraid, or maybe I should ask you, what are you afraid of? You know, I go into stores or grocery stores or or whatever, or even walking along the street, and I see people moving like six feet away or ten feet away or more. Uh, Are you afraid of a person without a mask? Are you afraid of somebody getting too close to you in Walmart? Are you afraid that if someone is walking in the grocery store, they're not walking, you know, down the lines where the arrows point? You know, I ran into someone just recently who someone freaked out on him because in in in, in a grocery store he wasn't following the uh, the arrow, and it was the first time he'd been in a grocery store. He didn't even know there were arrows on the floor, but someone ripped a strip off him because he wasn't going in the direction of the arrow. Well, that comes out of fear. That comes out of a place of fear. So let me ask you: Are you afraid? A. W. Tozer. Uh, had a great statement, and he said this, a frightened world needs a fearless church. A frightened world needs a fearless church. It's a great statement, and there's great truth in that. So this morning, we're going to talk about leadership in a time of challenge, leadership in troubled times. And we're going to look at the life of Gideon, and we're going to see three things that really Uh, Speak to us about the kind of leadership we need to see and we need to be to answer this time of trouble in the life uh, that we're living. I'd like to read Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16, and this is what it says Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, terebinth at Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abiazrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for your word and for the clarity that it brings to our lives. And we want to thank you that it is the desire of your heart to see spiritual breakthrough, kingdom breakthrough in us, in our families, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and in our nation. And so, Lord, we pray as we look at the life of Gideon, would you teach us? May our hearts be open to really understanding what it is that makes a leader, especially in a time of challenge or a time of trouble. We will thank you, and we will praise you for your word and how true it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the context of what is happening in Israel at the time of Gideon. It's a, Before Gideon, the Israelites had known outstanding success under Joshua. Joshua, and his generation, had seen God move powerfully in, in amazing ways. They'd seen the nation of Israel be taken out of slavery, out of captivity um, uh, from uh, Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth, led across the desert into the promised land and into the new uh, uh, land that God had called them to. At that time, Joshua and his peers, they'd seen miracle after miracle. They'd seen great things in God's kingdom, moving powerfully, bringing freedom uh, to the people of God. And this time, during the days of Gideon, another generation has risen up And they have not walked with God as Joshua and his peers did. And they did not know the blessing of God and the power of God and the the breakthrough of God and the salvation of God upon them. And they were not in a relationship with God that was was good. And things were not going well. And they were being oppressed by the neighbors uh, around them. And they were uh, basically in big trouble. They were discouraged, they were disappointed, and they felt hopeless. And why had this happened? Well, when Israel walked with God, they were never defeated. In fact, Judges chapter 2, verse 7 says this, "...and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel." So a nation or a generation had gone before that had seen the mighty acts of God, but a generation had risen up that had not seen the salvation of the Lord or the mighty hand of God working on their behalf. And they were in trouble. And in Gideon's generation, they did not walk with God and things were not good. But the story begins to turn when they begin to pray. And when they begin to pray, when God's people begin to pray, three things happen. The first thing that happens is God sends a prophet. The second thing that happens is God raises up a leader. And the third thing that happens is God brings forth an army. We're going to take a look at those three things. We touched a bit last week on one of them. We're going to look at the army of God next week. And today we want to mostly focus on uh, God raising up a leader. But I do want to do a little bit of review The fact that God sends a prophet, because this is so important, and we just can't miss it. So God sends a prophet. In Joshua 6, verses 7 and 8, it says this. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. Why? Because he wants to bring his people through this. You see, sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives to help us turn our attention back to him, to help us win our heart so that it aligns with his heart, so that we are able to really stop very quickly in our tracks and move towards him and fall in love with him in such a way that we walk with him in intimacy and tenderness and in the way that God designed for us to be in relationship with him. We need you, and our hearts are turned to you. Those are the praise, prayers we begin to pray. And so we begin to pray Lord, will you break through? Lord, will we see your hand? Will we see your salvation? Our hearts are turned to you, and we need to see you in our midst once again. You see, what the prophetic voice does is it turns our hearts to God so that we hear his voice more clearly. And when the prophets speak, they cut through everything. They cut through culture. They cut through our hardened heart. They they cut through circumstances. They cut through all the things that stand in between us and God. And that's the role of the prophetic, to call God's people back to him, back to a love relationship with him that he desires to have, back to his blessing, back to his peace, back to his presence in our lives. And that's what the prophets do. And so as the people of God cry out, the first thing that God does is he sends them a prophet. He sends them a prophet. Listen, it is so important that at Milton Bible Church, we hear the voice of the prophetic in greater measures. In the Old Testament, we had a few prophets But in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God is poured out amongst the people of God, many begin to prophesy, the Scripture teaches. And many begin to speak the Word of God because God is calling many back to himself. It's so important for the prophetic to make way so that the leader comes and is raised up in an army is brought forth behind him. That is exactly what happened when Jesus came. John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, a true prophet of the New Testament, the first prophetic voice of the New Testament. And what happens is he preaches repentance. And the repentance that he preaches makes the way for Jesus to come with the gospel of the kingdom, with the good news of the gospel that he proclaims to all people to bring healing and to bring freedom. And then, of course, the army, God's church, his spiritual army is raised up to carry forth uh, the battle, the battle against evil and the battle for good and for God. When God wants to call his people into greater kingdom breakthrough, he sends a prophet And when the prophet speaks, the people of God know. They don't say, hey, what was that? Or maybe I need to do something. It's like, boom, God has spoken. We need to respond. It's fabulous stuff. Second thing that happens is God raises up a leader. God raises up a leader. And this is what we're going to focus on next week. What God does is he changes the leader and he shapes him to be who he needs to be. You see, when God wants to change a city or a community or a nation, the first thing he does is he begins to change a leader. He begins to change the heart and the habits and the home of a leader. And when God calls Gideon, where does he find Gideon? He finds uh, Gideon as an insecure person with very little faith. When God calls Gideon to lead his people into battle, Gideon says, understand this, I'm a nobody, and I come from a family of nobodies. And uh, and then when Gideon finally says, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to lead God's people into battle, I'll trust you in this, but before I do that, I need a test. He says, so I need to put out a fleece. And he puts out a bag of wool, and he says, if this bag of wool is sopping wet and the ground around it is dry in the morning, I'm going to believe God. Well that's exactly what God did, but yet he didn't believe God. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what, let's do that, but we'll do it the opposite way. Let's put out a fleece, a bag of wool, and let's see if that bag of wool is totally dry, but the ground around it is sopping wet. Then I'm going to know that it is God, and I can trust in him, and I can do what he asked me to do, and I'll have faith that he is who he says I am. And, uh, of course, God does exactly what Gideon asks, and then finally Gideon responds by, you know, in obedience. And really what Gideon is doing is he's learning to have faith through obedience. You see, when God finds Gideon, he finds a weak man with very little faith. And you know what? I honestly find that encouraging. I find that encouraging. God is not looking for you to have it all together He's not looking for you to be good-looking, know the Bible backwards. He's not looking for you to be able to communicate to great crowds and wow them with such spectacular speech that, uh, you know, they will say, ooh, and ah, what an amazing person. God is not looking for you to be perfect. Understand that. What he is looking for you to be is hungry for him. And that's the first thing that we see in the life of Gideon. That Gideon, first of all, had a hunger for God. Listen to what Gideon says in Judges 6, verse 13. The angel of the Lord uh, says this. He says, the Lord is with you. And then Gideon replies this way. He says, please, my Lord, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? I want you to understand this, Gideon was weak, but he was longing for God. He was hungry for God. And in Gideon's words, what he's saying is this. He's saying, where is God who worked in the last generation? Where is God that brought our fathers up out of Egypt? Where is the power of God? Where is the presence of God? Where is, you know, where is God to meet us in our time of need and bring us freedom and salvation and liberty? Because right now we're oppressed. And what Gideon is doing is he's hungering for more of God. He's saying, I want more of God in my life. I want more of God in the life of my people. I want more of God in the life of my nation. I mean, it is absolutely a spectacular statement. Gideon, not perfect, but he's hungering for more, and he's hungering for God. He's longing for God. He was weak, he lacked faith, but Gideon hungered for God. So let me ask you today, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for God? God is not looking for you to have it all together, but he is looking for you so that your heart is connected to his heart and his will is aligned with your will and that the desire of his heart becomes the desire of your heart and my heart. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Gideon, first of all, had a hunger for God. The second thing we see in this passage is Gideon was clothed in the Holy Spirit. Gideon was clothed in the Holy Spirit. In Judges chapter six, verse 34, it says this, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. You see, what happened was God clothed Gideon in the power of the Holy Spirit first and then Gideon blew the trumpet. He blew the trumpet to call call the people of God forward to war. Today, this clothing is available to all men and women. One of the major roles that the Holy Spirit fulfills is to empower his church for service, and that is to accomplish the things that God has set apart for them to accomplish, the things that God has in his heart for the church to do. You see, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said these words. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, when God poured his Spirit out at Pentecost, a spiritual army was born. Before the Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost, the church was hiding in an upper room, cowering, fearing for their lives. When the Spirit of God clothed them and filled them, they came out and they began to preach the word of God boldly. And the scripture says that on that day, thousands in Jerusalem came to know Jesus as Savior. And then when the early church began to be persecuted and arrested and charged with a crime of preaching, Jesus Christ is Lord, the church gathered for prayer. And in Acts 4.31, this is what it says. It says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What happened? They were in need They went to the Lord in prayer. The Spirit of God filled them and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, what happens is the Spirit of God, when we are clothed in the Spirit of God, filled by the Holy Spirit, it gives us a supernatural God-given boldness and confidence to go forward in God and to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. Do you know what? Even Jesus himself, was anointed by the Holy Spirit for service. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, let me just say this if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, If Jesus needed the filling, the anointing to be clothed in the Spirit in order to accomplish that which God called him to, how much more do we? I mean, how much more do we? If Jesus received a Holy Spirit, um, um, received the Holy Spirit in such a way that it empowered him for service, how much more do you and I need to have the Holy Spirit to be able to move forward in the things that God has called us to? Some of the things that God is calling us to really are going to take great courage. And they're going to take uh, something beyond ourselves. They're going to take a calling from him, knowing that he has called us. But they're also going to take a confidence, a confidence that maybe right now we don't have within us. But God wants to stir something up in us. I believe that our nation... In our neighborhoods, I believe we desperately need leaders who will rise up in a time of trouble. They will rise up in a time of trouble. And I will tell you how they will rise up. They will rise up clothed in the Holy Spirit. We must never surrender that. That is a a mark of who we are as a church. We want to be a people of the word, a people who love the scriptures, are obedient to it, our final authority for faith and practice. But we also want to be a people who understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And isn't it wonderful to know that that Holy Spirit is available to each one of us? Listen to what Jesus promises us in the book of Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? (laughs) How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is just waiting for us to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Because when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, we ask for more of him. When we ask for the fullness of the Spirit, we're asking for the fullness of God. When we're asking for the life of the Spirit to be fully alive in us, we're asking God to be fully alive in us. So let's be bold Let's be bold and let's ask for the Holy Spirit. Let's ask for more of the Spirit. Let's ask to be fully clothed, fully filled, our cup running over, filled with the Spirit of God moving forward in power to that which he is calling us to in our community,
1: in our family.
0: And then lastly not only did Gideon have a hunger for God, not only was he clothed in the Holy Spirit, but thirdly, Gideon, Gideon's faith was his antidote to fear. Listen to this. Judges 6, verses 34 and 35, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet. And here, here's what happened. And the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. And then he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, And they too were called out to follow him, and he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet him. You see, what Gideon did was he moved forward by faith. He became obedient to the call of God, and God's people responded, and an army came forward. And it didn't come forward with just a few people. It didn't come forward just a a little trickle. They came forward in the thousands. In fact, the scripture said that 32,000 answered the call to war, answered the call to battle. We're going to look at that army more closely next week, but I just want to wrap it up today with this thought. I want to ask you this question. Are you ready to lead into the battle in a time of great challenge. Are you ready to lead the battle in this time of great challenge? Would you be surprised to know that epidemics and pandemics really are not new to our world, nor is the church's response to it? A a historian of medicine, her name is Vivian Newton. She writes that from the 14th to the 18th century, A town, any town, uh, would basically regularly experience pandemics or epidemics or plagues um, by by the decade. And once every generation, uh, a plague of of pandemic proportions would visit a society, a culture, and even a nation. Mass disease outbreaks have been part of, of people's lives for all recorded history. For instance, the bubonic plague had a fatality rate of 60 to 90%. The Black Plague, which started in October 1347 in Sicily, killed one-third of all of the people in Europe, approximately 20 million people. The COVID-19 fatality rate is between 1% and 3%. And you know what? Some Christians, they responded to these devastations with what they called flight theology. So the question they wanted to ask was, um, is it okay for us to flee a troubled town into a place of greater safety? Or are we called to stay and minister to the sick? What's a Christian's responsibility? Well, the great reformer, the great theologian, Martin Luther, was asked that question by one of his friends, a guy by the name of Pastor Johann Hess. And uh, he asked him this, Is it proper for a Christian to run away from a deadly plague? Now Hess had to write that letter twice because Luther, who was in Wittenberg at the time with his family, was undergoing a time of great sickness upon his community in fact family had died friends had died even his children had died you see in 1527 a plague had hit wittenberg a town the town where luther lived and where he taught at the university and while classes were wisely moved to an unaffected town luther refused to leave in fact what he and his wife, Katerina, did was they converted their home into a hospital. They converted their home into a hospital. You see, for Luther, the response to the epidemic was an occasion to exercise faith. Faith in God and love for his fellow man. This is, this is uh, one of the things he said. He said um, that, namely, one of man's chief sins is selfishness, and that selfishness that first turns to self and then to the health and safety of others is just not something that I want to have in that order, and so he regarded the epidemic as a temptation that would test and prove Luther's faith in God and his love for people, and so this is what Luther wrote. He said, our faith in that we may see and experience how we should act towards God, our love in that we may recognize how we should act towards our neighbor. And so he said, I wanna stay and I wanna face the danger and I wanna be a part of the battle. Why? Because I believe the temptation may be to flee, but the call of God is to love him and is to love our neighbor. And so he stayed. And he ministered through that time and he became gravely ill. But he came out of that. Do you know what today? Luther calls the church in 2020 to resist the temptation to flee and urges the church towards the battle. The danger that may be in our community, the danger that is posed to the most vulnerable, those who are sick, those who are self-isolating, and even those who are dying. In a time without widespread institutional health care, Luther called Christians to a divine obligation to fill, fill the gap, to step in and look after their fellow man. Not foolishly, not without wisdom, but to respond fearlessly with trusting God. And you know what I believe? The Lord is looking for leaders today. The Lord is looking for leaders today who would rise up. Leaders today who are hungry for him, who are filled with the Holy Spirit and whose faith will be such that they will walk forward into the battle, bringing peace and healing and kingdom breakthrough into the lives of those around them who so desperately need them. You see, faith is always the antidote to fear. So let me ask you, what does God want you to do? What is he calling you to do? What does he want to do through you? Because I believe that God is calling up leaders all over our nation, all over our nation to make a difference, to be there, to stand in the gap. As I said, not foolishly, wisely, but fearlessly to stand in the gap. So what is he calling you to do? Is he calling you to minister to the elderly? Do you know that there are are many of those who desperately just need a phone call? Who need some contact, you know, uh, outside of, of just themselves? They're very, very lonely, and they're They're looking for someone simply to talk to. Or would you be that person who would run to the store and do an errand or run to the pharmacy and fill that script? Would you be that person to step out and stand in the gap? How about just simply cut your neighbor's grass? Cut your neighbor's grass, your elderly neighbor who really shouldn't be doing it themselves. Or how about appreciating those who are in essential service? And serving our community. How about starting up an appreciation uh, wave of signs along your street? You know, I turned onto Mary Street off of Bronte Street last week, and about the first five houses just had a, a whole pile of signs that said, Thank you, thank you, we love you. You know, how, and I just smiled to say, Fabulous, fabulous. How about you call your neighborhood to give thanks? Or maybe it's simply to paint a rainbow on a big poster and put it in your front window and challenge your neighbors to do the same. Or maybe you need to just take a, a, some blue ribbons and you just need to put them on every tree you know, that surrounds your street. Or how about shopping from a local business that desperately needs your patronage? Or praying for those who are in financial need because many are hurting and many are are just surviving on the bare minimum, and many businesses are in trouble. How about praying for them, encouraging them, even blessing them with a gift of some kind, bringing them a meal? You see, God is looking for leaders who will make kingdom impact in a hurting world in our troubled time. And I believe that leader is you. I believe God is calling you and God is calling me to be those people who would see lives changed, who would see the love of God penetrating hearts in such a way that they have never known his love and peace before. Will you be that leader? I believe you are. And I believe God is calling you into great things for his kingdom purpose. So listen, church, let's be the church. We're not about just, you know, watching a video online. We're not about just looking forward to coming back so we can, you know, say cheers and not, you know, you know kind of toast with our coffee cups together you know, we're here to make a difference. We're here to be the army of God, blessing our nation, uh, uh, penetrating uh, our world with the love of God in such a way that lives and hearts and homes and businesses and families are changed forever. He's calling us to be that army. And I thank God that we have receptive hearts that we'll put up our hand and we'll say, here am I, Lord, send me. So let me pray. Let me pray that we would be those people that God is looking for and we would take the message of his kingdom forward for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for who you are. And I want to thank you that the kingdom of God sees breakthrough as on the day of Midian, as, on, as through the battle of Midian, that first of all, there's a battle And then there's breakthrough. And so I pray that as Christians, we the church would not fear the battle. But we know that the Lord goes with us. That God, you go before us. You stand beside us. You cover our backs and you protect us. But you call us. You call us into going into battle for you. And so we pray for Kingdom Breakthrough. We pray that the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, would be made known in hearts and homes, stirring us up first and then moving us forward to speak the word of God boldly. And so I just thank you for our church. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for all who would listen to your word, who would hear your voice in this book, Of judges in this life of Gideon, not perfect, but willing to follow, not afraid, but willing to be obedient and learn to grow in faith. And may we see your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, I pray that you would raise up a generation of new young leaders who would take the torch. And run forward into the future that you have for them. Glorious in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, NBC, it's been great once again to be together. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week where we wrap up this uh, teaching from Gideon. The one who God raised up to be a leader in a time of trouble. Uh, uh, a person who I know, his heart is so much like our hearts. And so I just look forward to all the things that God is gonna do in the days ahead. So God bless you. Have a great day. To the praise of his glory, amen.